Welcome. This podcast is an exploration into being human and what's possible when there's less attention on the noise in our heads. Warning. While listening to this broadcast, you may experience moments of deep peace, sighs of relief, personal insights, or long stretches of dead air. Do not be afraid. This is normal. Under the Noise with Wynne Morgan and Kate Roberts. Welcome to this week's Under the Noise with me, Wynne Morgan, and my co-host, Kate Roberts. Hello, Kate. Hey, Wynne. Hi. Today we're joined um, by a gentleman I've known, a chap I've known for four years. And at some point it feels like a lot longer, and at some point it feels like it could have been like two months ago at the same time. Mm. Whether it is six months between the times you and I talk or sometimes even longer or sometimes a few weeks, Jason. It's always a big pleasure of mine just to hang out in whatever reason there is for us to just say hi. So delighted to have you join us today. Yeah, thanks, Wim. Um Yeah, it's a timeless experience, I guess, isn't it? You know, like connecting and... Um, resting in that space that just becomes obvious, I think, between us pretty quickly. So I appreciate that too. One question we love to ask a guest as, as, as we get started is, what you'd love people to know about you who don't know about you? Who don't know about me? Um, yeah. yeah. I guess what I'd love people to know about me that don't know about me is that um, I I suffered in the most horrific way for most of my life through situations, circumstances, beliefs, ideas, you know, to the point of wanting to take my own life multiple times and trying to self-destruct myself for many decades. And now my life isn't like that. It's very joyful. Uh, a lot of the time and um, and uh, you know the reason I say that is because me included you know most people think that their flavor of suffering is unique to them and that if it was if it was if you got it as bad as me then you'd realize why what we're talking about here is not that relevant you know because I was that person for so long but just thought this didn't apply to me if you were if you were as, as bad as me if you'd done as many crazy things as me, then you'd understand why this stuff is not, it's not, you know, it's only relevant for people who had a little suffering, but it's not relevant for people who had a lot of suffering. So uh, the message I want to give in that is that, yeah, you too, you know, whoever's listening to that, whatever your flavor of suffering is, regardless of your list of mental health diagnoses, the amount of times you've struggled, suffered, what's happened to you, you know, it's kind of like, this is what we're pointing to is true for everyone, you know? And what do you put the difference in the before and after of what you just described? What do you put it down to? Eventually life, you know, I, I like the saying that you can never get enough of what you don't want, you know? And uh, that's life for me, pointing me back to myself, you know, it's kind of like which it was doing at all times. Yeah, I resisted for perhaps four decades, you know, of kind of looking outwardly for the answers to my internal struggles. And eventually, 
when it gets painful enough of getting too much of what you don't want. You know, it's kind of like you have to change direction and look inwardly. And looking inwardly was the start of that process of discovering who I was and the role that I was playing in the creation of my own suffering, I guess. And, and from there, you know, it's like everything starts to look different, you know. Say more about that, what you said about the role I play in my own suffering. What do you mean? I mean, like being born without any software, you know, just, just as hardware with, with basic needs of love and warmth and food, you know, as a child, then from there, you know, I start to create this identity you know I, I i learn i absorb from the world you know social family um influence conditioning societal religious conditioning all becomes part of what how i create myself in the world you know what i call i you know i am five i am 10 i am 50 years old you know i'm jason i'm a i'm a therapist i'm a digital marketer, I'm a dad, you know, all the things that I put after I, you know, all, all, all the things that I wallpaper onto this idea of myself as a fixed separate entity, you know, fixed inside of me and separate to you, you know, it's kind of like, so I'm at all times from, from the point of having no conditioning, being a seamless flow of sensations and perceptions as a child, creating this idea of myself you know and 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 as i grow and as i learn as i'm conditioned further i'm seeing how i can make this separate person here better in the world you know and kind of and and in the meanwhile you know i'm 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 struggling because i'm feeling separate you know it's kind of like and i'm trying to create myself in this way that can get recognized that can get better, that can create validation for who I am and from you and everything else that I do in the world, you know? So I've already set up this situation where I'm Jason, separate entity person, not part of the oneness of life, just, just carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders. And it's all on me, my responsibility to better myself as this separate person by whatever I do in the world, you know? So there's the setup for the, for the com complete suffering because it's not possible to gain happiness, acceptance, validation, love, from the outside world, but it looks like it is, you know, in the, in the human experience in for, for most of humanity. And um, from there on in, you know, the, the snowball is rolling, you know, and growing, you know, of suffering, because the more I try and obtain external validation for my internal suffering, the worse it gets my experience. And I tell this story of me, you know, as I said, I am now 10, I am now 12, I'm uh, churning from school, I'm overweight, I'm using food as a way of escaping from myself unknowingly, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be better at school, I'm trying to get a job, I'm trying to get a status, I'm trying to lose weight, I'm trying to get a bigger car, a bigger house, more bedrooms, you know, it's kind of like all these things that I think are going to qualify me in the world to be okay you know and it looks like that i spend my life thinking when when and if you know when i get there if i can get there then i'll be okay so i'm living in this illusion as uh, as 
Jason as a separate thing to the rest of the world, trying to find validation outside of myself, you know? And, and meanwhile, if you could ask me, who are you? You know, it's kind of like I would tell this story of myself. You know, I'm a, I'm a victim of childhood trauma. I'm somebody who struggles with his weight. I'm someone who's shy, who's isolated, who's alone, you know, in the world. But I'm telling myself the same story every day. I'm creating it in my own mind, feeling separate. And then I'm escaping from the misery that creating myself as this separate entity looks like to me on a daily basis. I'm, I'm feeling on behalf of this separate person that I think I am, you know, feeling the loneliness, I'm feeling the separation, I'm feeling the depression, the anxiety, you know, and it's like, if you were me too, you would also want to escape this experience, you know, it's like, because I can't get these things in the outside world that I think I need to make me okay. They're not coming my way currently. I need a six-figure job, big house. I need all these other things, you know, to be okay. And it's like, and while I can't get them, while it looks like, you know, that, I, that if I had them, I'd be okay. And meanwhile, I'm creating a story of suffering, you know, and, and, and I'm escaping the story that I'm creating in my own mind on a daily basis and feeling on behalf of, you know. It's not really working that way, but it just is very compelling. And... You know, the, the the mind as a special effects system, you know, has a has a way of making it look and feel very real, you know. So that was that was really what I was pointing to, you know, that experience of escaping from the, the very suffering that I was creating, you know. I'm glad I asked, because I mean that's a that's a huge answer in my mind to have seen something that deeply about how we're made and who you are. Huge. Can you, I wonder if you remember anything that, whether it was an insight, a new thought, that along the way from there to here, that would be that anyone could anyone listening right now could actually go oh that I, I can kind of like um put my finger on some pivotal moments where um i mean the first big insight was realizing i'm not my thinking you know it's kind of like because it, I, and for anyone who's never looked in that direction you know it's kind of I think they just take all their thoughts about themselves seriously, right? Otherwise, there wouldn't be such a thing as, a, um, I don't know, coaches and therapists helping people with low self-worth. They just wouldn't even exist, you know, if people didn't take their thinking seriously. Um, confidence coaches or any of those things, you know, like getting something more on the outside or how I show up in the world to make me feel better on the inside. None of those things would exist if, if we didn't take our thinking seriously. Um, so I kind of had this realization that it's more what I was just talking about how I wasn't that, you know, I wasn't what I thought I was. And it was like, it just came about by the invitation I got was just to be, could I just be present? You know, it was like, 
uh, and I, no one had ever invited me to be present, you know, no one had ever pointed out to me that if I stopped listening to information to get the answers, if I stopped listening to information to be right or wrong, if I stopped listening to information to see if it was like something I knew or if it fitted or didn't fit or whether I could argue or agree with it, you know, it's kind of like someone had pointed that out to me and I kind of just went, oh, yeah, I never thought of that. You know, it's kind of like, because I really thought at this point, you know, I was already like 20 years in the helping profession, psychotherapist with lots of letters and shit after my name that was kind of, wasn't really helping me. You know, it's like, but I had these qualifications and um, still thought that I knew a thing or two and, and, and no one had ever invited me to, 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 you know, just to be there, just to be here where we are now, just to be present in the moment. And like, and, and when I started listening over those couple of days, you know, there was this experience of questioning my own story, you know, like my own thoughts about myself and, you know, like the experience of introspection rather than looking outwardly, because I hadn't turned up for that. I turned up to see how I could get a better life on the outside, you know, how I could get more money, lose more weight, get a better relationship and uh, find a better business, you know, or, or, you know, health, wealth, relationships, all the things that people struggle with in the, in the, in the world, in the objective world. But um, it's not what I got, you know, it's what I got was, it was a look inwardly into how I create my experience as a suffering separate person and then how I escape from it. So that was the first, the first big insight, you know, that I'm not my thinking, you know, and, and, and that really made me start to question everything, you know, everything that I thought was fixed in my life, everything that I thought was permanent, everything that I thought was true, you know, all, all got questioned from that, from that place. Jason, um, before we started recording, we were talking about some things that might be kind of fresh for you around addiction and, and anything else. Can you speak to that? What we had started to talk about before we hit record? Yeah. I think like while having those ex earlier experiences where I start to see I was not my thinking, I I'd also become innocently lost in this new understanding, you know, taken as gospel. And um, really I'd got more caught up in the concept of it than where it was pointing to, you know, and, and as a result of that, I'd taken a lot of people's words literally and kind of believed that this was all I would ever need. And that if it, if I wasn't feeling great all the time, it was because I just hadn't seen enough, you know, and uh, all that I was needed for me to do was to see more, you know, and how, and sometimes there was no, uh, no time limit as to when that might come about, you know. And, and, I, and I certainly found myself over time, you know, in my own practice with people repeating things that people had been said to me, you know, and I had an insight um, watching a video. It was a, it wasn't a, 
Yeah, it was a, an investigation of video into I, you know, with somebody where someone had kind of done this. Someone had said, look, I'm suffering and this is what's happening. I'm having this repetitive experience. And um, and as I watched it, you know, I kind of I'd, I'd had the realization that it wasn't my thinking, but I'd never asked the question, well, who am I? You know, who, who am I if I'm not my thinking? You know, I never asked that until until I saw this video where I realized that kind of like, who am I? You know, it's kind of like, there's nothing there. You know, you can cut me open. There's no personality, character, fixed entity of me in there. You know, it doesn't exist. And uh, that I am a reflection of my current state of mind or I'm a reflection of my my you know, what I'm seeing on the current, in the current moment, at every, uh, in every moment, you know, that's all that, that's all that it, it possibly could be. And, and also that, so what I'd start to realize over time was that I was still struggling with some things, you know, I was still having, you know, what I would call responses to trauma. You know, I, my dad was killed in an accident when I was a kid. And, um, you know, I don't know how I cope with that was food at the time, which turned into addiction, which turned into crime and violence and chaos and all sorts of and prisons and institutions and psychiatric wards and suicide attempts. You know, that's kind of was my background. Um, so I kind of had this, this paradoxical experience where my life had transformed, you know, it's like I, I dropped away. 40 years of eating disorders had just disappeared. They'd just gone. 40 years of psychiatric care had just gone. It was not coming back, you know. It was like I'd, I'd changed so much um, in my life. It just happened overnight. I, I stopped practicing as a therapist in the traditional Western way as I did because I saw that it was not useful to people to to conceptualize and theorize about what was wrong with them, you know, in, in the way that I'd been taught. But over the time, I was still at times suffering. I was still struggling. I was still having reactions to certain stimulus, particularly in uh, in relationships being loved. You know, I just didn't know how to be loved. I really just couldn't be with it. It's like I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what to do with playfulness, um, loving affection. If I froze, you know, and I didn't know what this frozen thing was. And I kept going back to people who would tell me it's just your thinking. It's just a memory. It's just a memory. It's just your thinking. There's nothing you have to do about it, but it just kept happening and it was affecting the quality of my life. And I kind of had started to see where I'd kind of bought into this concept, you know, as I was saying earlier, that there should be nothing else I need to do and that um, everything will be okay. And it's just a question of me seeing further as to how I'm creating my experience with my own thoughts. And that's the only thing that could ever be wrong. I mean, that is true, but sometimes it's not useful. You know, it's kind of like, it's not useful to just say that to anybody. And it's, it, it was not useful to me in this case, because I thought, I've really seen a lot. I mean, I've seen a lot because I've had a palpable life-changing experience to where 40 years of addictions have just fell away overnight. You know, it's kind of like, that's not nothing. You know, I can't, I can't dismiss that. Um, um, you know, so there was many realizations of kind of like that it's okay to say I'm still struggling with some things, you know, it's like this, I, I always share this, that this little old lady that I met when I first went to addiction rehabilitation, she was uh, about four foot ten and she had these little half moon glasses and she looked over these glasses and she said to me, you can't save your ass and your face at the same time. 
you know, and I kind of thought <laughs> that's stuck with me ever since, you know, that like if I'm struggling with something, I need to be able to speak up about it, you know, because I can't appear to be this well person and put this front across as somebody who's all perfect and spiritual all the time, you know. It's kind of like sometimes I have to ask for help for myself too, you know, and kind of get a perspective on things. And I've always been willing to do that, you know. I've always been willing to share those struggles and show my own vulnerability, you know, and when I've got something that's that's bothering me. But, yeah, I mean, I just did start really been seeing this where I still have these responses. I still have these kind of um, bodily contractions, these um frozen moments and stuff like that you know in my life regardless of what i know or what i do you know it's it's not really come into it and and i'm just at a place where i'm just looking at and just curious about those things you know rather than caught up in the idea that there's nothing wrong with me it's just my thinking and i just need to dismiss this and live with it and it'll go away pass come back fix itself or something you know so um yeah, and that's where I'm at currently, you know, with stuff. And it's been um, it's been a beautiful experience just acknowledging and being with some of my own vulnerability and some of my own struggles and some of my own um, I, I remember a therapist many years ago describing me as like being like a small child with a sophisticated layer of understanding of human process. That's how he described me. <laughs> and, and, and he wasn't wrong, you know, at all. It's kind of like, and I can still be that small child, vulnerable, um, with a sophisticated understanding of exactly how the mind works and the, the fact of who we are and all this stuff, you know, and it's like, and I'm, I'm really just practicing not being that, you know, just being vulnerable when I feel vulnerable, just being present when I, when I feel present and I'm not certain, you know, rather than having to have all the answers to stuff. And I think that's the, there's no end to this stuff, right? And there's no goal. There's no end. There's no place of enlightenment. There's no, you know, um, experience of perfection where we sit cross-legged in the lotus position palms up floating around through life all spiritual all the time you know and it's like that's cool that's great that there isn't you know <laughs> it's also changed my practice as well with people because i'm much more I still, I still want to point people to their true nature. I still think it's the most important thing anyone can see. It was the most life-changing experience that I had, you know. And from there, you know, maybe there are what I call residues or, or autonomic nervous system responses, you know, conditioned bodily responses, body-mind, you know. I, I really don't see it makes any difference whether it's in the body, created by a thought or whatever. It's irrelevant. The fact that it happens is what's relevant, you know. I, I see that it's changed my practice in working with people that way. And um, it's definitely made a difference in my being having a deep connection with people with some clients and stuff you know being willing to look at the body the body's responses and including the body you know rather than just being it's all mind it's all it's all thought you know that just doesn't wash with me anymore you know so how do you now say it and see it i'm i'm still very much in the present moment you know it could be like that 
I notice with clients that that something's happening, you know, I can notice a bodily response and it's like, this is where the therapy of old comes back into the present, you know, because it, and I always thought that perhaps one day these two things will combine, but I wasn't sure how, because I spent many years caught up in calling myself a transformative coach, because that was the cool thing to do, right? The fact is, is that I'm a therapist and there's thousands of people looking for help that are suffering, right? Why did I get so caught up in calling myself a coach? What does it even matter what people think I am? It doesn't make any difference to me. And in fact, I hate titles. I'd rather say nobody, just we're going to have a conversation, but people looking for somebody, right? So, and then it comes together in that, like, you know, I when we get when we get close to this conditioning in conversation you know people start people people that have had experiences that in some way have been traumatic you know to them and it could be anything there's no qualifying of traumatic here it has to be bad for me different to you it's it's unique to to each individual person but you know what i'll notice is people you can notice them swallowing you can notice them playing with their fingers you can notice tension in their jaw in their shoulders you know it's kind of like anything like that and if you're very present with somebody you can feel energetically even on video you know when somebody is something is happening for somebody in the conversation now it's still the same in that people will invite you into that you know people invite you into that and if you can see it you know it's kind of like all I do is kind of ask people, what's going on now? You, you look like your jaw is tense sometimes or something going on with your head because you keep scratching your head. You know, it's kind of like oh, people just melt. You know, it's kind of like because they become present in the moment in their body where there's some resistance or experience going on, you know, and just become very present. And this is the way it happened for me too. And somebody spotted me in that. And this is what triggered this whole sequence of seeing for me into what's going on for people because you can get so far with an understanding of i'm not my thoughts who am i and questioning from the mind but a lot of the time the body has just held the score you know it's just been contracted in a way of such a way that it can hold emotions people can hold emotions by just doing that with their fingers you know, people can hold emotions by just having a tense shoulder on one side, you know, it's kind of like, and they don't cry, they don't feel, they're just completely frozen, you know, it's kind of like, and as they just let that go and stop doing that and just keep their hands still, it's kind of like this, sometimes it happens where a lot of emotion will pour out and then it's like, by, you know, like the, sometimes you can't see what's blocking you from experiencing your true nature you know, all the time. And it's kind of, I like the story of the snake and the rope, you know, it's like that, or like when you've, um, you know, just to put a bit of context on it, like if you've seen a, what is a rope, but you think it's a snake and you're having an experience of your body, you know, it's kind of like where you feel the anxiety and the fear and the tension, you're ready to fight or flight, you know, it's kind of like, and somebody shines a light on it and you see that it's a rope. You know, it's like that there's no longer anything you need to do. You know, it's kind of like you don't need to challenge the snake or find a way past it or anything. You just all of a sudden that experience of your body is gone. And that's what we're doing here. You know, when you bring in that emotion, that experience, that tension of the body, you know, we're releasing it. It's like shining a light on whatever's in the way, you know, and it's kind of like and people just. I've noticed become more grounded in the present moment with that, you know, and have a sometimes a release experience, sometimes tension that they didn't even know they were holding. 
it's like shining a light on something that they didn't see you know it's like that was kind of that even though they knew who they were even though they had an experience of that sometimes not always but like that their body was still reacting to certain circumstances stimulus relationships whatever it was you know for me being loved was a big one because i just didn't realize what was happening you know but a few things showed up for me when um you were sharing that i've heard recently some things that really kind of resonated for me um someone described i was listening to i'm sure it was a podcast but Someone described thought like an iceberg, right? So the thoughts that we're aware of are just the tip of an iceberg of thought, you know, that we have picked up and carried with us throughout our lives. And then I also heard someone very simply say, you know, the body follows the mind. And it was very simple in a way that I didn't need to process it or think about it. It, it was like, mm-hmm. yeah. And so as you're sharing, we think about all the thought that maybe we're not aware of that our bodies are just following. In a very natural and easy way, that's just what we do. And and that's so, you know, the fact that the therapist said to you about how, you know, you are like a a young person, right? Like a kid underneath all of our uh, analyzing and understanding, right? In our conceptual minds. You know, the fact that Kids literally embody the present moment. Like, like they're just experience happening without analyzing it and without needing to know why. And they're just, whether or not they're having some kind of meltdown, like they just will rock it completely 100% and then leave it behind. And they're in the next moment. And there's something about that. It's like they get they're embodying the whole human experience without needing to understand it or label it or, you know, do what we do when we have decided, oh, this is, oh, I love this feeling. This is so much better than how I was feeling. And this is the way I want to feel all the time. Like, they don't, you know, they're just in the moment and a really beautiful way. I think they're just allowing experience. Mm. Can't imagine a better compliment, <laughs> honestly, from a therapist. Because <laughs> I, you know, there's something very simple about the way they experience life that I think we complicate as adults, trying to get it right or see more. No, no, no. That's just what showed up when you were talking. Yeah, I guess something else in relation to that is about masculinity. You know, it's kind of like that. Guess what I'd seen over the years? There's a lot of toxic masculinity kind of like beliefs portrayed around about what's it like to be a man, you know, and to be vulnerable. 
you know, in relation mm. to what you were saying, you know, and it's like that. I think that's more like a societal and generational conditioning, you know, that's kind of like been there because male suicide is the number one killer, you know, it's like from of men and, and, you know, there's this, I've just been to an event where there was, you know, I was certainly vulnerable, you know, and, and there was a lot of other people that were men that were vulnerable. And we had quite a few conversations about this idea that it's not okay. You know, it's not okay to be vulnerable. And it's like you said, you know, children, they just let it all out. They scream and shout. My kids do, you know, they cry in the moment and then they're okay again. You know, it's like they're not holding it back and making it mean something, you know, and and then reliving it for years, you know, to come. Um, But I still brush up against that, you know, I still brush up against that um, conditioned resistance to being vulnerable you know i still see that you know it's even though no one else can hurt me you know i don't see that they can it's kind of like but it just sometimes doesn't feel that safe to be vulnerable you know i'm coming from my background where where there was violence and gangs and crime you know on a daily basis for many years prisons and institutions and stuff it's like you learn to hide that stuff very well, you know, and you certainly learn to become super self-sufficient. You know, it's kind of like in a way that it's detrimental, you know, because I can do anything. I can achieve anything. I can go anywhere. I can, you know, I just have got that sort of inbuilt way of coping, you know, it's kind of like, but it's not very productive when it comes to relationships you know it's kind of like my partner doesn't like that about me you know it's kind of like when i'm just off in doing mode you know um so that's an ongoing thing for me you know to see and um to be more of to be brave you know to be courageous and and show up to be vulnerable in front of a group of people if that's how it feels you know just to be me um I've always had that inclination, to be honest, to be vulnerable, to be willing to do that, you know, and lead the way if it means going first. You know, it's like, um, I I feel very passionate about supporting men who are, you know, who have been through that, who've been struggling with the stuff that I struggled with and what, and, and, and where that takes us, you know. You never see that, right? I mean, like when you see these lists on social media of like, what's it like to be a real man? You know, it's kind of like, it doesn't say crying at the top of the list or vulnerability, you know, it's kind of like, that's never on the list, you know? Jason, what does um, vulnerability look like to you? What does vulnerability look like? Yeah. Being willing to show up in whatever comes, you know, it's kind of like uh, times it could be tears, sadness, anger, whatever it is, you know, that comes that's seen as not a socially accept, perhaps not a socially acceptable or thing that you do as a man or in a group or whatever it is, you know, it's like it's uh, I guess what I would call being unapologetically you you know, in those moments, whatever they are, being allowing myself to be witnessed as I am, whatever that is, you know, being, being open about my 
feeling of separation. If I'm in a crowd of people and I feel alone and I start projecting onto everyone else, well, if only they spoke to me. I don't like them anyway. They're not really nice, not my sort of people. You know, it's kind of like saying that, you know, that's vulnerable. You know, it's kind of like, um, you know, if I feel, if I, again, it's only working one way. So that's why the vulnerability doesn't look so bad you know i'm i'm projecting my experience outwardly onto other people it's not them you know it's like so if it really looked like it was them hey you lot if you really spoke to me and treated me better then i'd be okay you know it's like that might be a different you know a different outcome you know if i'm saying hey look i'm feeling really like this you know it's kind of like and this is what i'm making up about you lot you know just as an example um it's being that, you know, it's just owning, knowing that I'm creating my experience and being willing to say so, you know. And none of us struggle with that when things are good, right? It's not that about, about me saying my life's great. I mean, there's nothing really challenging about that, you know. I'm really glad this has come up. So thanks for the question, Kate, as well, and that answer. I love Jason. Because I hear a lot about vulnerability as something to do as opposed to what you just described. I'm now going to do vulnerability as the act of being vulnerable, which I think is a very distinct difference in the way that you just described it. I was just remember that little old lady saying to me, you can't save your ass and your face. And it stuck with me forever. That was 30 years ago, almost. And um, just that knowing that I can't create this image of myself as doing really well and be honest about whatever's going on with me, you know, in the moments. So, and I've always had that calling to to face head on, knowing that that's the only way, whatever it, whatever it is that I'm experiencing without trying to, uh, for want of a better term, fix myself or give myself my own feedback or therapy myself or whatever it is I think I need from someone else. You know, it's kind of like trying to get it all perfectly right in my own head first before I let it come out my mouth, but just letting it come out in whatever form it comes, you know? And none of this having any meaning about me, you know, it's kind of like when I realized that, like, I can just be in whatever I'm in, you know, it's kind of like without it being a competition, you know, without me playing the role of teacher, therapist, coach, whatever I'm going to call myself, thinking that I can't share this stuff, you know, it's kind of, but everyone is struggling with something. You know, everyone is having a struggle of something, you know, it's kind of like people post the veneer of a polished spiritual life, you know, on their Facebook videos, you know, it's kind of like, and then behind the scenes, you know, they're struggling with something. And like, that's just because the human experience of it in its very nature will, you know, probably this deeper seeing of true nature will probably go on forever, you know, deeper unpicking or undoing of conditioning will carry on you know it's like it's it's so ingrained in some of us for 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 um 
for some of us more than others, you know. And and and, the, and I guess the biggest thing about it all is that I realize is there's no comparison of experience, you know. Like no, but I'm I'm not talking for everyone here, you know. I'm talking for me, and it's like, and I know I I really if I catch myself doing it, if I've done it in this audio, you know, feel free to to tell me, you know. It's kind of like, but I don't want to talk for everyone because I realize no one can talk for everyone, nobody, you know. And it's like, uh, and the only thing we know for truth is is what we think about our own experience like that's it you know it's like and 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 what i've seen is what i um have experienced for myself you know what i'm experiencing for myself and it's like and i feel less willing these days to say about what works for everybody or what's right for everybody and and also trying to compare well this is what i've seen it has to be true because i've seen it you know it's kind of like not necessarily, you know, it's kind of like, it doesn't, doesn't seem to work like that, really. You know, the, this is where I'd become lost in the concepts of repeating what I'd heard other people say that I thought must be true because more than two people have said it and they've been known for years and blah, 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 blah. So I should repeat it too, as if it's true. You know, it's like, no, I, I don't, you know, and I'm okay saying I don't know these days, you know, I think that is actually, for me, is better you know, to show up not knowing and thinking I know a thing or two, you know? Mutual exploration seems to have the most value, you know, where we just don't know together. It really does. You know, that space, and I I don't see this a lot of the time, but that space with someone where you don't know and they don't know, I didn't see its value ever growing up. And and it's only recently that I have begun to, to experience the value of being in a space with someone and not know and have them willing to be there with me. That's so rare. Mm. It's so rare. Yeah, you can only do that, right? When you've been willing to let go of who you think you are in the world, you know, it's kind of like, and it's okay not to know. know, That's why it's so big, you know? Because I don't think that, you know, our stories, you know, in our personal minds, it can't understand that space. It really wants to be there and it really wants to understand it and make sense of that space, but I don't think it can. And so you have to be willing to let go of all your stories and and your need to look a certain way, right? Like you have the answers or know something and be willing to be in that space and and I didn't see that really until, you know, I started, I met Wen. Wen's really good in that space. I'm going to call you out for a second, Wen. And I have this other friend where, and I think I've mentioned it on a previous podcast, where I was struggling with something and and she just said, yeah, I don't know. but I'm willing to be with you 
why we don't know. And I was like, because I knew that value as soon as she said it. It just, I was like, oh, see, that's, that's truer than whatever I can come up with. That's the space where we, the minds can't play. And I love that. I think it relates even to what I was saying about being in the body, you know, in the moment. It's kind of like, because if I come with my conceptual theory of what's wrong with everyone, that everyone needs to know that their experience is creative thought and that's all they need to know, then I'm not going to be now. I'm not going to be here now in the present moment. I'm just going to be looking at how I can shoehorn people into my theory of what's wrong with them. But when I'm here now, when I'm just present with what is, and trusting whatever I'm being shown in the moment, sometimes it makes sense, you know, it's kind of like to see what's going on for you right now, what's present for you right now, you know, and it's like sometimes it's tension, contraction, sensations, sometimes it's thoughts, you know, it's like, who knows, it's like, but that's made a difference to me, just being willing to be with that, you know. It just occurred to me how easier life is when the only thing we're responding to is what is, as opposed to responding to things that aren't there. Mm. And it, into me in the way that it just struck me as you were talking then, how simple and true that feels to me. This has been very rich, Jason. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to not now and see what comes. <laughs> Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Kate. Thanks, Wen. Thank you. You've been listening to Under the Noise. I'm Kate Roberts, and I'm here with Wen and with Jason. If you have any questions or comments or suggestions for topics, please feel free to reach out. Our details follow the podcast. Have a great week. Thanks for joining us. We'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have a topic or question that you'd like us to chat about, email Wynn or Kate at win at winning.co.uk and kate at katerobertscoaching.com. Until then, enjoy what's possible under the noise.